Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here, and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have a fabulous episode for you, particularly if you have an accounting practice or you're interested in buying into or selling out of an accounting practice, where we're talking all about the top five mistakes businesses make when selling an accounting practice. And to have this discussion, I have on the show uh, one of the expert brokers in this space, Stephen Fine, the Managing Director of Growth Focus, a specialist broking business in the accounting and financial planning space. Now, Stephen comes to us with a wealth of experience, more than 15 years dealing with the sale of accounting practices. Um, He is also an MBA graduate, has completed studies not just at universities in Australia, but also in New York. So in this episode, we really dig deep into the mistakes that accounting practices make at exit. So buckle in. Here we go with our discussion with Stephen Fine. Steve Fine, welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast. It's so good to have you here. Good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. My absolute pleasure. Now, today we're talking specifically about selling an accounting practice. In particular, we're talking about the top five mistakes businesses make selling an accounting practice. Now, I am I'm really looking forward to talking about this topic because we deal with lots of accountants, the point of sale of their accounting practice. And we also deal with lots of accountants, perhaps even more on the buy side as well. So, you know, it's a it's something that we have a lot of involvement in. I have a lot of interest in, and we have a lot of accountants who listen in. So I think today is going to be a humdinger. Um, let's get into it. Why don't we start by giving a bit of a background? Um, so maybe quick background um, of you um, and what led you into selling um, accounting practices. That's an interesting niche. Yes. Uh, I run a business called Growth Focus. Um, it's primarily involved in facilitating the transaction of accounting practices. Uh, so we work across uh, Australia and uh, Joanna, your question was, how did I get into it? Yeah. That, uh, well, look, many years ago, uh, you know, over 15 years ago, I actually came from a, a, a recruiting background. And it was uh-huh. recruiting of accountants. Uh, uh-huh. So at the practice level, it was, you know, talking to practice principals day in and, 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 and day out. So we built up a pretty significant uh, network. Uh, and uh, recruiting, recruiting, it wasn't the most stimulating thing for me. I kind of went and did some studies overseas. I went to the US, uh, finished a, a master's, came back and I wanted to do something a little bit different. And really that's where the the, the business was born. So uh, I got into the M&A side and the business broking. And- I've spoken to 
a few brokers who've come from recruitment. It's an interesting, I mean, it sort of makes sense, I think, when you're niching, niching a particular industry. Of course, recruitment gives you such a good insight into an industry, and I can really see how that can transfer across. Fascinating. Yeah, I think, Fascinating. It's, a, I think it's a very good, I think it was a very good uh, background to have because recruiting is really tough and you've got to have a really powerful network and you've got to be talking to people all the time. Mm. Um, so coming with that mindset into, um, you know, m business broking is a huge advantage because, you know, it's all about connections and, uh, and, and talking to people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so let's get into it then. What, and before we get into the top five mistakes businesses make selling an accounting practice, what do you think is uh, sort of the key differences between selling an accounting practice and maybe other businesses on the market? Well, if you're selling an accounting practice, what actually are you selling? Uh, and the reality mm -hmm. is you're selling the the, the revenue rights and the servicing rights to a client base. Mm. It's, you're selling people <laughs> in mm. a way, or you're selling mm. relationships. Relationships, to, that's it, isn't well, it? That, yeah, you know, it's pretty different to uh, a retail store, for example, or, or a more physical business. Yeah. And I guess that's where in the sale of an accounting practice, you, you know, there is always this concern of the buyer about, how much of the client base will actually transfer. Because I guess one of the beautiful things about an accounting practice is you have this compliance requirement that means that clients will come back year after year after year, and they're quite sticky. You know, clients of an accounting practice are generally quite sticky to the accountants that they have dealt with. Mm. and But that also makes it a little bit challenging when we're dealing with a sale to make sure that value transfers, right? And, you know, I certainly see from a buy side that that's certainly something that's in the mind of buyers. Um, and usually, you know, it's then dealt with by this concept of the retention that we have post-sale. And then, of course, our sellers become very invested in wanting to make sure that the retention is triggered and they get the full the the full whack. But I've also seen some negatives come from that over time, from sellers keeping too keen an interest in how the buyer conducts the business once they've taken over. Is that something you've ever seen? I've seen a bit of that. A lot comes down to the dynamic, the the, the, the chemistry uh, yeah. between the buyers and sellers. You know, some uh, you know the seller wants to exit sooner, and the buyer it's perfect. Yeah, uh, the buyer just wants to get in there, and uh, it doesn't require as much of a transition as another buyer who might say, "Look, we want you to hang around for six months, twelve months, and mm. uh, you know, really uh, be there and mm. be be on hand." So, this, I mean, we've done so many different transactions, and uh, there's so many different examples. So, uh, there's not a real standard answer to that. Got it. Okay. Well, let's dig into it. What are the top five mistakes? businesses like make when selling an accounting practice then steve well I, I think the number one mistake is is not looking at it as a as, as a process or look not looking at it as a formal process we talk to a lot of people and th th their approach may be okay look let's go and i'll have a coffee with that person and we'll see how it develops um and you know we constantly 
work with our clients on the sell side. Uh, and so before you have that coffee, there's so much more that needs to be done. The, the number one thing is, is determining exactly what your ideal outcome is. You know, what's mm. your aspiration outcome? Uh, and a lot of uh, sellers who go in there who don't know what it is will go with the flow and land up becoming what the buyer is looking for, not what the seller is looking for. So defining that is really critical. When you say that defining the outcome, do, do you yeah. mean in terms of price or do you mean price is in one terms of the of- things. What, price is one of the things. So, you know, in our system, we've actually built it into our, our software is the number one thing we want to understand is, and we've got a little logo, it's a, the rainbow. And it just stands out really, really clearly, clearly on any mandate that we do. And that, that is what is motivating the seller and what are they looking for? In an ideal world, be a little bit crazy, but not ridiculously crazy, paint a picture of what the, the, the ideal outcome looks like. Mm. And it, it's price is one thing, but there's generally five other keys. There's, um, and it's not really in, in, in any particular order. Some sellers or, or, or vendors, the clients are the number one important factor for them. Uh, there's staff, there's price, there's the transition, exactly how that's going to work. Mm. Uh, there's the terms of the deal. So you know, how much is paid up front and how much is paid at, at a particular point in time and how that's figured. So those, those are the other factors that, that come into it. Yeah, excellent. Okay. And so that's mistake number one. What about mistake number two? Mistake number two is not casting a, a, a wide net. We talk to vendors and buyers day in and day out, and often we land up talking to a seller and they, they say to us, look, I've been in discussions with this particular party and you know we've gone down the down the process, and it's just getting wobbly now. Uh, we thought we, the understanding was this: they're dragging the chain, the price is changing. It's getting really, really frustrating. The key to getting the best outcome is, I mean, if you look at you know use an analogy of property sales. If you want to uh, get the best deal selling your house, invite more people to to the auction. Mm. So you want choice if the buyer knows that they're the only ones that uh, you're talking to, it greatly reduces your, your leverage. Mm. We see it time and time again that you know, deals just get under, derailed and far longer than they need to, to take. Mm. But the, the challenge is how do you cast a wide net and, and keep your anonymity? Because you don't necessarily want the whole world to know that you're selling your business. You don't want your, your staff to know. There might be sensitivities around that, your clients to know. And you know, it can be very, very disruptive. Mm. So I guess we have the luxury of being able to reach the entire market, but protect uh, a seller's anonymity. So, um, you know, besides the standard non-disclosure documents, you don't need to give everything away, all the information away. There's certain levels in the process that you that we take people through and then give them additional in- information and additional information. If it's obvious that this person is, uh, this buyer is is not a match for whatever reason, it doesn't match you know, their their aspiration is way off from the seller's aspirational uh, outcome. It's not going to happen. So there's no point in continuing it. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we do a lot of qualifying and, as importantly, disqualifying, mm-hmm. you know, to filter it down to, you know, a short list of, of, of qualified buyers. Mm. You know, the interesting thing about accounting practices, because we know lots and lots of buyers of accounting practice, there's a lot yeah. of buyers out there who are interested in accounting practices. But yeah. 
notwithstanding that, and, you, you know, um, I, I know it can be quite tough for accounting practices that are looking to purchase other accounting practices because, of course, the acquisition of accounting practices is such a great way to grow an accounting practice. Yeah, fantastic way to grow. Yep. So, you, you know, this is truly one of those markets where acquisition is an absolutely standout growth mechanism um, in yeah. the business. And, of course, adding other um, other complementary service divisions, like, for example, financial planning practices, but perhaps we'll talk about that in, in another podcast. But it, it intrigues me, and I guess, you, you know, it connects back to the accountant space. It, it, it intrigues me that there are so many buyers out there for accounting practices, and yet that doesn't seem to move the needle in terms of the price that accounting practices are willing to pay. They'll just sit there and wait for accounting practices that come up, you know, at their rate. And, and you know, often they'll say to me things like, you know, I'm willing to buy any accounting practice that you see. The co- you know, I'm out there buying, I'm ready to go whenever one comes up. And yet they're ultimately, you know, it is still a function of price and they won't pay any price. There's a there's a fairly defined valuation for accounting practices, right? Maybe even more so than any other industry I've seen, which I think is um, quite fascinating. Quite fascinating that that demand doesn't really move the needle in terms of price. Do you know what I mean? Is, is that something you see as well? I, I find it a funny a, a funny thing about accounting. Industry and and perhaps it's also because I see so many diverse industries that we deal with, and so when I compare accounting practice sales to many of those other industries, it's it's just it's one of those anomalies that that I see, and it's just I don't know, it amuses me. I think it's quite a funny thing about yeah. the accounting practice sale environment, but um, but anyway, let's get on. So we've talked about mistake one and two. What about the third mistake? Which one is what? What is that? The third mistake is not having good data to start off with. Yep. Not taking the time to package it up properly. Which is fascinating because they're accountants yeah. and they deal with dollars and yes. all, yes, all the yes, time. Yes, I, yes. I love that irony. Tell us about that. Why is that? Is it the 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 uh, the story of the plumber never fi- fixing his leaky plumber's taps? Plumber's a leaky tap. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's a big one. There's so much that can be said about it. it uh, you know, the good data, it, it gives the buyers so much more comfort. It, it's such a significant thing that adds value to the business. So it's worth taking the time to do it properly. You've built, uh, we say to sellers, you, you've spent, uh, you know, 30 years building this fantastic business, 30 years. But it doesn't it justify the time to put the effort in to, to get the data right. It does make a significant uh, difference. Mm. Um mm. So we, we, we have a whole lot of templates, uh, Excel templates. We've got a whole lot of models where, you know, if we've got the data in a certain format, we can do all sorts of things, interactive dashboards and pie charts and flights mm. and bus and histograms, et cetera. Uh, but we really need the data uh, to, 
to start off with. I love that one. That just fascinates me. I love it. I love it. I love it. Hilarious. Okay. So not badly prepared data, not having the data there, you know, um, as quickly as needed. And, you know, the problem is that slows down the process. And and if you're already, and you're talking about the delivery of data for due diligence, once you've already found a potential buyer, or you're talking about the delivery of data in order for you to even get it to market? I'm talking about the delivery of data to get it to market. To get it to market, yeah, right. Yeah. Because that's the other thing that I see as an issue, not necessarily with accounting practices per se, but just in businesses that are selling where they've where they hit where you know the buyer has been found commercial terms have been agreed they get into dd and then they're slow to deliver information that's required throughout the dd process and the problem is buyers just i mean there's two issues i think it kills deal momentum and i think deal momentum is a really important thing in yeah. getting through deals we call it deal fatigue deal fatigue a hundred percent deal yeah, fatigue. it's a point where people yeah. are like oh is this just gonna, is, this is just it still going yeah Ooh. i know right and then yeah. and then people either a get grumpy and obstinate um or b you, you know just start to say yes to anything. And, you know, that's fine if that's on the other side, but usually, you know, um, you, you can't guarantee which side that's going to end up on. And it's just it's it's just not a good outcome for anyone. So mm-hmm. so I think a, a good a quick deal is a good deal. I think keep momentum going. And in order to do that, you need to be properly prepared. And obviously you're talking about getting them properly prepared to get on the market, which is just perfect because if they're but if they're on the market and they're still not prepared to provide answers you know reasonable that are reasonable requests for information from a prospective buyer who wants to do reasonable dd then it's a bad look um it raises questions about you, you know the business itself either mm. a whether things are being hidden or b whether it's just a you know n- not a well run business not a clean business um, and see, we get this horrible deal fatigue and, you know, the advisors get fatigued as well. <laughs> and, and it also runs up costs. You know, that's that's the problem. If you keep these things rolling on, they, they can be harder and harder to close Ooh. out. So um, anyway, I'm completely with you on that mistake. Um, okay, so moving on to, I think we're up to four, our second last mistake here. Making assumptions on the, the ability to finance. Right. Fascinating. Talk us through that. What does that look like? Assuming your buyers are going to be able to get finance that they're not, not able to get. Is that what you mean by it? Unfortunately, uh, you know, we do a lot of qualifying and we hear, uh, you know, from a buyer, you know, is financing going to be an issue not a problem everything's fine no that's not an issue and then the buyer and seller click chemistry is unbelievable deal looks fantastic everybody loves everybody they've had three dinners they've introduced their partners <laughs> and everybody is so excited and then uh and then they don't have the more <laughs> yeah you know that little sh- that show little britain oh Is-that yes little britain says no yeah or, yeah yeah no, the computer says no yeah <laughs> okay so the amount of time that you've everybody's wasted and the deal just can't happen. Oh, that's outrageous. It's uh, soul-destroying. So we do, we do a lot of qualifying about that. And, and the, the, the thing is, it's not always the buyer's fault because many times they actually believe that financing is not going to be a problem. Mm. Now, it's not like they're misleading anybody. They just think 
it's going to be fine, but it's not always fine. And let's talk about some of those reasons for financing issues. What what are what are some of the key issues you've seen come up? So so you said it's not even necessarily that the buyer is providing misleading information about their finance financing ability. It's that something else has gone on. What sort of things have you seen as being that something else? Well, the days of the cash flow lender against the business are over. These on financial service practices like this, there's, there's got to be something else that they're offering up to the lender. Mm. One of the frustrations, and I'm, Joan, I'm sure you've seen this, is you know some of the banks uh, won't actually give the green light fully until they've seen the contract. Mm. Mm. Now, mm. At, at the contract stage, you're pretty married. You're married. You're married I mean, that's <laughs> it. You've just gone and through so much waiting. together, haven't you? So much together, and you're still waiting for this uh, shadow behind a desk in the credit department. Yeah, it's not even the person that you're dealing with uh, to yay or nay the whole thing. So, well, but then it opens up, doesn't it? That opportunity for creative deal structuring and creative deal making, you mm. know. And we um, we're seeing a lot more uh, creativity and participating in a lot more creativity at the moment than we ever have before. I think COVID has thrown up a greater degree of consideration of our alternatives we need to all be considering. And, you know, this is where we've started to use some options, um, you, you know, for uh, for sale, you know, so say, for example, and, and this is where accounting practices can be a little bit different because they're less often likely to be the sale of shares. Um, oh. It's more often likely to be the sale of the business That's out of sale, whatever yes. entity that they're, they're holding. But, yeah. you you know, when we're looking at entities where we can um, construct a sale by way of share sale, you, you know, where there's um, financing issues, quite often we'll get around it by doing part sales with shares and then build option for the um, the rest of the sale in the future as we then use some of the funding from the business itself and the profits to, um, to allow in a year's time or six months' time or whatever it is, um, greater access to finance to purchase the rest and lots of other approaches like that that, that we're starting um, to look at more often. In fact, yeah. I would say, oh, I, I mean, I, I should go and prepare some statistics on it, but I would say at the moment almost 70% of the deals that we do at the moment are, are not the straight deals we used to do. And of course, in accounting practices, the the more common sort of deal is this, say, 80% completion and then our component um, post-completion relating to the client base moving across. So there's already a component of deal structuring that, that can often be um, involved in the sale of an accounting practice. But I, I'm just saying over time, we've seen uh, an increase in the different in the requirement to look outside of these perhaps usual structures that we'll use for is a that sale. Just driven by finance. A hundred driven by finance, yeah, right. and driven by finance, but it not just finance access to finance, but also speed of finance. So that's mm -hmm. that's another issue at the moment because we've seen the speed slow down over the last sort of yeah. year and a half. Um, mm. And um, and and not just that, you know, um, we with COVID, there's been a whole suite of other, you know, issues that have been thrown up that have meant that we need to get a bit more creative. And I guess that's 
that's the benefit of being so immersed into a particular area because you do start to get a bit of a feel for you get to be a bit more creative because you get mm. to su suddenly start to see you know trends and ways that you can deal with those trends over time mm. so yeah. so anyway so so i think it's an interesting point about the buyers the issue with finance but it is perhaps then an opportunity for us to all stand back and say okay well given we're seeing some of these issues arise how can we create a bit more of you, you know what sort of creative approach can we think of to bring in in these sort of issues um and i think right. you and i have talked in the past um about uh the the uh, the brilliance of being able to constantly review processes and you know how we approach things and i think this is the great opportunity for professionals coming together and talking about these sorts of things as we start to come up with new ways that we can use to deal with problems that are arising mm -hmm. um, in particular industries. And I certainly think this area is, is one of those that um, could, could deal with you know, lots of people thinking about solutions to um, to keep these deals moving because uh, no one likes them to stall, do they? I mean, that's just shit for everyone, isn't it? Mm. I'm sure, whoa, we'll have to bleep that one out. Um, <laughs> all right, so, <laughs> so I think we're up to our fifth mistake here, Steve. Take us take us home with that. Okay, so that is... <laughs> We wrote an ebook. It's it's entitled, um, you know, the five mistakes that that vendors make. There's actually more than five mistakes. So, so what's uh, I'm going to pick one more and the rest <laughs> and the rest. I'm going to pick one more. There's, 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 okay, go for it. Okay, it's not asking the the, the hard questions early on. The yeah. whole thing of the elephant on the table and yeah, uh, just. Address it. Just get it out of the way early. Uh, yeah. you know, we facilitate a lot of discussions between uh, buyers and sellers. And, you know, sitting there on the, on the outside and, you know, we're listening to the discussion. And a number of times I find myself going, guys, are actually going to finish the discussion without talking about this thing? Wow. <laughs> Whatever this thing might be. Look, it might be a – I'm not saying things are hidden. Everything yeah. is, is out there. It's transparent. But it's almost like – Oh, it's a bit too touchy. I don't know if I want to go into it. To, to yeah, this avoidance of something yes. that might be, you know. Yes. Uh, I mean, a couple of examples. Let's say a vendor is selling a business and there's some compliance issue. There's some insurance claim or whatever it is. You know, we're of the opinion, lead with that. Bring it out there very yep. early on and, yep. and cover it. Cover yep. it off. Because if you wait and you wait and you wait and then it comes, you know, things come out later or... Oh. That's the very worst thing to do. Yes. yes. Why didn't we talk about this earlier? Yes. Yes. Uh, so, you know, our view is, and it, it all comes down to understanding the, the buyer, understanding the, the, the seller, what are the important things to them? Yeah. Uh, and if there's, if there's a fly in the soup, just talk about it straight away. I love it. I once read a book called um, Eat That Frog by Brian oh, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> If you've read it, and his concept was, you know, the the path forward to um to great business is to start each day with the most difficult thing on your list, and I think you know that can be the story of negotiation as well. You know, just get it behind you and um and get it done and dusted, and whatever you do, 
do not leave it unspoken about for a buyer to find out about in DD because that no, is a, that's, that's horrendous. Yeah, I mean, this other you know one of the other mistakes is is um, is uh, disclosure. Uh, yeah, you know, if something comes out later, yeah, uh, a buyer's thinking, well. What else right. don't I know? Exactly, 100%. It, <laughs> it breeds distrust. It's a deal yeah. killer, you know, that's yeah. um, yeah. and, and you, you know, full fr- frank disclosure, it, you know, then it allows us to provide protection in the sale agreements, it, you know, they're going to find out. <laughs> and if, mm. if they're the ones who pull it out rather than you, then mm. I, I think in many instances you just kill deals because deals mm. are all about trust ultimately at the yeah. end of the day, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. that's it, when trust is broken, it, it's very hard to get that back. Mm. Haven't we gotten deep today, Steve? We certainly have. <laughs> Oh, look, it's been an absolute joy talking to you, Steve. And um, you have a fabulous um, e-book that our listeners can get a hold of. How do they tell us about the e-book and how do they get this? Yeah, so there's an e-book. You can download it off the website, uh, growthfocus.com.au. There's a heap of resources. We've got, you know, videos, uh, support videos on just about every subject that comes up in um, the sale of an accounting practice. Feel free to check it out. It gets sent to you. Uh, there's a f- couple of other ebooks. There's uh, one on legal. There's one on um, you know longer term horizon thinking on succession and exit. If it may be in four five years time, what do you want to be doing now to be ready um, uh, when when, you, when you're ready? So yeah, there's a number of resources that are available, and uh, yeah, feel free Great. to grab them. Well, look, we'll link through to that in our show notes. So have no fear if you're running along the beach right now, because you're probably out of lockdown. If you're here in Sydney, not restricted to your own LGA. (laughs) And who knows, by the time this airs, maybe even Melbourne will be out of lockdown. Who knows? Stranger things have happened. I talked to people in Melbourne that had had it pretty tough. Oh, they have. We've got a team in Melbourne and I just, you you know, I, I feel for them. They've copped it really, you know, yeah, really yeah. hard. We've got a team yeah. in Queensland as well or they've just gotten off scot-free. So I don't know, you know, I guess here in Sydney, we're sort of sitting somewhere in the middle. But at any rate, if you happen to be uh, not in a place where you can write down the details that Steve just gave you, you'll find it all in our show notes. Steve, I just want to say a huge thank you to you. We'll link through to you in the show notes as well. So any of our listeners, um, and we have lots of accountants who are listeners. So if you're an accountant, you're thinking of potentially selling into the future, shoot Steve note you'll be able to find his details in the show notes and make sure you get yourself a copy of some of these ebooks so you can work out what you need to do to get prepared in the future for a sale steve i just want to say a huge thank you for joining us on the deal room podcast thanks jonah thanks for inviting me my pleasure Well, that's it for this episode of the Deal Room Podcast. Just as a quick recap in this episode, of course, we were talking about the top five mistakes that businesses make when selling an accounting practice. Now, if you'd like more information about this topic or you would like to grab a copy of that ebook that Stephen has produced, then head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com where you'll be able to get the details of how to contact Stephen um, and also how to access that free ebook. 
There you will also find details of how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal. If you are considering selling and would like some legal advice uh, in relation to how to prepare for exit of your accounting practice, we deal with lots and lots of uh, acquisitions and sales of accounting practices. And of course, we'd love to assist you um, prepare for your sale or acquisition if um, that's relevant to you and to conduct the transaction itself when you're ready to go ahead with either the purchase or the sale. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then don't forget to pop over to your favorite podcast player and hit the subscribe button. Well, that's it. Thank you so much for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. 